Hey everyone, we're re-airing one of our top episodes from April of 2022 with the lovely Hila Yang, the co-founder and CEO of one of my favorite brands, Sol de Janeiro, and I hope you enjoy this one. Hey everyone, I'm Yasmin Nori, and you're listening to the Behind Her Empire podcast. I'm on a mission to showcase successful self-made women who share honest stories and lessons of what it really takes to create the life you want and build your own empire. If you've been listening to the show, you know, just like you, I've been on my own personal journey to build my empire. And for the last year and a half, I've worked diligently on starting a new business all around helping women tackle their period problems and hormonal imbalances using a natural whole foods approach. If you're suffering from extreme cramps, fatigue, bloating, stay tuned because a little bit later in the podcast, I'll share a bit more about my company, Bia. But for now, let's jump into today's episode. I want to welcome this week's guest, Hila Yang, to our show today. Hila is the CEO and co-founder of Sol de Janeiro, an award-winning body care line that aims to capture the beautiful and vibrant energy of Brazilian culture. Hila had the most perfect resume. She went to Harvard for both undergrad and her MBA. She worked for well-known companies like Lancome and Goldman Sachs and was thriving in her career in New York City. However, life had other plans for her. She met her now husband at a bar in New York City, and next thing you know, they're doing long distance, and then she moves to Brazil to be with him in 2008. Within a month of moving to a new country, Hila was pregnant and wasn't feeling too good in her body. She was in awe of the way Brazilian women felt comfortable in their own skin and the zero-judgment beauty practices they had. She wanted to share the same confidence and help women feel more comfortable in their skin, and that's when the idea for Sol de Janeiro came about. The brand launched in 2016 with the Brazilian Boom Boom Cream and became Sephora's best-selling skincare cream a few months after its launch. They have now expanded to include fragrance and hair care and are bringing in over $100 million in revenue. We'll talk to Hila about the struggles she had with getting the business off the ground, especially when it came to believing in herself and how she ended up launching her business when she never thought of herself as an entrepreneur. We also talk about the challenges that come with growing your business, why staying true to your gut can be your superpower, and the importance of taking care of your mental health, and so much more. Welcome to the show, Hila. Thank you so much for having me. Well, I'm a big fan of not only the business that you've built, but who you are. So I'm super excited to jump into your story. And I actually want to start the interview around the power of believing in yourself. You've been very open about the early days of your business, that that was actually your biggest challenge of you not believing in yourself. So before we dive into your story today, I'd love to get your perspective around how you overcame this and what advice do you have for any woman that's listening who may be going through that as well? Yes. So that was a big challenge. And I mean, sometimes it's still a challenge because you're always questioning, which is a good thing. But I'll tell you a very good example. So, you know, our hero product, the Brazilian Boom Boom Cream in the bright, sunny yellow jar that seems to make a lot of people happy. When we were creating that product, there were so many naysayers. So that made me really doubt myself. So, for example, the name Boom Boom. So many people say, well, you're creating a premium product. You can't put words like boom, boom in the product name. That's not very premium. And so then, of course, I stayed up all night thinking about it because I thought, well, it's maybe that they're right. So that was one thing. And then the second was it's yellow. 
you know people are going to think that it's a sunscreen brand. And then you will only you know, be selling during the summer and no sales in the winter. And that's going to be very challenging for you. And so don't make your product yellow. And then the last challenge, I mean, there were so many naysayers, but the last one was if you notice our the name and the logo is on the cap of our product, not on the jar. And so they said, well, you know, if you take off the cap and you take a photo and you show the goop, there will be no branding on the jar. So you have to put branding on the jar, not on the cap. So these are some very sound, you know, they sort of make sense and their you know, opinions and advice. And I had to think deep and hard about all of those decisions that we had to make. And at that time, it was myself and two others. So, you know, to your question, like, how did you overcome the self-doubt and believing in yourself is, I mean, I would, a lot of people say like, believe in your gut, but it's gut plus more than that. I had to remind myself, like, why did I start this company? Like, why am I taking all these risks? And, you know, I could have had a great career in the corporate America. Why am I in my living room, you know, saving pennies and doing this? And so I really had to remind myself of this, why, the purpose. And one of the drivers for me was doing something unique and different. And that the world did not need another nice body cream that is a me too. The world did not need another brand that didn't create noise and made people think differently. And so that was what really gave me the courage to trust my gut. So I don't know if that makes sense. Like, you know, you have that gut feeling of like, but yellow is great. It's the color of happiness. That's our brand. But then all of those gut feelings were grounded on this purpose of why am I doing this? And when I went back into that, like sort of inner voice and what I had put on the paper, you know what? We are doing everything that people say not to do. <laughs> so I think that's, um, that's an example um, of uh, how to, you know, how to overcome. And so, I mean, I guess the advice is, yes, definitely trust your gut feeling, but always going back to why do you, you know, why did you start this? And why did you start this path? And reminding yourself of that, that, that was helpful for me. Yeah. And I really admire that because you're right. You said it really takes courage to tap into why you're doing something, especially because when you're so early in a business, you kind of sometimes can put other people's opinions who might have experience on a pedestal. And it's so important for you to retract and reflect and say, okay, why am I starting this? Do they know why we wanted to launch this product? And we'll get into all this fun stuff in your interview. I want to circle back a little bit and talk more about your upbringing. You know, you were born in Seoul, South Korea, and you moved to the U.S. at the age of 12. How do you think being an immigrant, moving to the U.S. as a pre-team has really shaped the woman you are today? That's a very, very good question. It made me um, more open. It made me uh, adventurous. It also made me good at adapting to a different environment. It also, you know, it was hard in the beginning because you lose a lot of self-confidence because you've just been uprooted. That sort of up being uprooted from the comfort of your own culture happened again for me when I moved to Brazil. So, you know, I was in my 30s when I moved to Brazil. 
it reminded me of the time when I came to America. So, and in a positive way, because I look back and say, well, I was able to adapt. I was able to adjust, make friends and be successful in the things that I wanted to do so I can do it again. So I think having that experience, living in two different cultures and having the work ethic that my parents taught and having to really adjust and be open-minded, that helped me become the woman I am today as I'm running this business. I do find that my company, the culture, we are very open-minded. You know, we were the first real true body care brand that embraced showing as it is, right? I mean, there are cellulites or wrinkles in the body. That was what I fell in love with when I went to Brazil, which is you just completely love and embrace every part of you because it's you. So literally like the Brazilians would be saying, well, that's cellulite, yes, but that's my cellulite. I love my cellulite. Oh, that's my wrinkle, yes. I kind of don't want them there, but they're still my wrinkle. So I'm going to take good care of them. That's, uh, you know, when I moved to Brazil, again, like my eyes, like I was so much more observant than perhaps somebody who had been living there their entire lives. I think that, I guess, skill or what I did came partly because I had to do it when I was 12 years old. And then uh, the other part is that when I moved to America, my parents had to work very hard and they wanted to give us opportunities and great education. And so we really grew up under parents as role models who were working very hard and were able to be successful in a foreign country by their work ethics and positive attitude. And so when I moved to Brazil, I mean, you know, before I moved and I met this, you know, my husband and I told all my friends I'm moving to Brazil and they all thought I was crazy, but having faith and belief in, in you that you could move to a different country and still make the best out of it. And I'm grateful. I'm so grateful because look what's what came out of it. (laughs) So yeah, it's amazing. And I have just goosebumps with you sharing that because I never really connected that, you know, your parents moving here, having to start from scratch and you really witnessing that as a child of them building this new life, you know, kind of gave you that courage because you essentially did the same thing. You're a little bit older, uprooted your life, which we'll get into in a bit and moved to Brazil where, you know, restarted this life and this new life that you're in today. So it's great to see the similarities between your parents, the work ethic, the upbringing, the open-mindedness, and just the woman that you are today. So I appreciate you sharing that. So, you know, you mentioned a few things. Your parents really worked hard for you to do well, right? Education is key. And you really did it. You went, you know, you got your MBA from Harvard. You had an incredible job, the most perfect resume. You had a pretty thriving career out here in New York. I believe, you know, you're at Estee Lauder and a bunch of different companies. But you mentioned, you know, your life completely changed when you met your husband at a bar in New York. So take me back to that time, because I think there's so much to unpack there. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, yeah. I have so many stories, Yasmin. Maybe one day, like, we'll go out for a drink of wine or a bottle of wine, and I'll tell you (laughs) all the nitty gritty that might not be appropriate for a podcast. But so I thought I was going to live and die in New York City. And when I was working at before business school was with Goldman Sachs and then afterwards L'Oreal and Estee Lauder. And I looked to the top and I thought, well, you know, I could be one of the top executives as a woman 
as an Asian woman. This is a, you know, beauty industry is a woman's industry. That was sort of what I was aiming for. And then when I met my husband, I mean, everything sort of turned upside down and you, you know, you never planned that. Right. And I mean, we met at a bar through some mutual friends and we ended up just hanging out, like going to three different bars until 4 a.m. in the morning. And he walked me home and then I thought I'd never see him again just because he's like, oh, I'm going back to Brazil. But then shortly thereafter, we were flying to Miami to meet. He was coming to New York and I flew to Sao Paulo and and everything happened very quickly. And love does make you do crazy things. (laughs) So, yeah, I had a big farewell party here in New York and moved and it was very an exciting period because mm-hmm. it's new country, it's adventurous, and my husband's very entrepreneurial. But the first month I got there, I got pregnant. Mm. And I was very lucky because I was in my late 30s and it happened very easily. So I was very grateful. But I was pregnant in a foreign country where I didn't have a job yet and I didn't speak the language <laughs> and I didn't have friends. And my husband was working at his family business. And so it was not an easy time. And I look back and I I think that time, you know, just having a baby is not easy. Yeah. But all of that combined really took me out of my own element. And I, I think that's sort of when I started noticing a lot of like my surroundings. And when I was going to the beach, for example, I wanted to wear a one piece black j crew bathing suit and my husband's like no you can't wear that like you have to wear the tiny little bikini people will actually look at you more if you wear a one piece and i said but i'm pregnant so it's much more appropriate but he's like why would you want to hide your belly it's you should be very proud of that and nobody in brazil wears you know covers it up and so I'm like, okay, I'm going to do this. And I wore a tiny bikini. I wore a cover up and went to the beaches. And it was that moment when I was 20 pounds heavier, right? I was at my heaviest wearing the tiniest bikini, which is ridiculous. <laughs> and that. I'm Korean, you know, grew up in New York and I'm like so self-conscious. Yeah. And also I was, you know, I was feeling a little bit down on myself, you know, low self-esteem, you know, new job, new country. And, yeah. but I, I just started looking around and there are women of all shapes, all sizes, all colors, just enjoying themselves and loving who they are, caressing their body with oil and creams in their hair and jumping into the ocean and coming back out and doing something else. And just so joyful. And nobody was looking at me. Nobody was judging me. And I thought, you know, this feeling, it's so odd, like that I felt most liberated mm. and joyful at that moment. And I thought, wow, I love this feeling. And this is exactly the feeling the beauty industry should give to women through products and through messaging. It's a bit ironic that it was at that moment when I wasn't the best of myself was when I had this revelation. And so I am very empathetic to women in that, in that situation. But so, yeah, so that's how my life changed, Yasmin. 
Hey everyone, it's Yasmin here. I wanted to tell you a quick story. Before I started this podcast, I was working extremely long and crazy hours in banking and then in tech. I was totally burnt out, not living my truth and dreaming of always building my own empire. With all of this stress, it came really debilitating periods from bloating, cramping, extreme breast tenderness, and really unpredictable moods. I would always complain to my friends that I was literally out of commission for at least a week every single month. And that adds up to three months in every year. Other than feeling frustrated that my really bad periods were keeping me from pursuing my actual goals, I knew that something wasn't right. Women are not inherently designed to suffer every single month. That's when I learned about hormonal imbalances. I started working with functional medicine doctors who told me that years of stress combined with taking birth control pills long-term created a cascade of hormonal damage in my body. This is why I felt bloated, tired, crampy, and moody before and throughout my period. They recommended I try something called seed cycling. And let me tell you, it's changed my life. Seed cycling is the simple process of using food as medicine to naturally support your hormones. It uses four different types of seeds, yes, actual seeds, throughout your menstrual cycle to support the balance of hormones like progesterone and estrogen and give your body critical nutrients it needs to achieve your best health. Within weeks of starting this process, I noticed major shifts in my period and my overall health. But I also noticed that seed cycling is actually kind of hard to do. I wanted the best quality seeds, freshly ground in the right amount, but it was very time consuming. So I decided to create a simple and effective way for anyone to start seed cycling today using the highest quality organic seeds in the right amounts with the right support. It's called Bia, and I'm so excited to bring it to you. Now, anyone struggling with hormonal imbalances can easily incorporate seed cycling into their busy schedule with the Bia Seed Cycling Bundle. This process has been life-changing for me. I no longer deal with cramps, bloating, breast tenderness, or any other PMS symptoms before my period. It's been a complete game changer, and it's allowed me to focus on things that matter most to me, like this podcast and building my own empire. And most importantly, I want this for you too. If you or anyone you know has been struggling with hormonal imbalances or bad periods, go to beawellness.com slash free. Once again, it's beawellness.com slash free to download our free guide to our top tips in tackling hormonal imbalances and to learn more about our seed cycling bundle. We included this link in the show notes along with a promo code for $10 off for all of our Behind Her Empire listeners. I know you're going to love seed cycling just as much as I do. Thanks for listening. Listening, and now let's get back to the show. It's crazy because, you know, you seem like you're quite the planner and to be in this position where you're in a new country, you don't have a job lined up. You seem like a very type A driven woman. <laughs> you know, you're also pregnant. Did you know you wanted to potentially start a company or what was really going through your mind? Or did you just tell yourself, you know, I'm going to give myself a few months to just reflect and think about what I want to do? Like, where was your mindset at that time? So it was all over the place. I mean, honestly, I mean, everything that I knew was uprooted, right? And so, but my my husband was an incredible supporter. I mean, he you know had a family business. He's very entrepreneurial. He's like my he's my best friend. And so at that time, I thought, okay, do I go back into the corporate world? 
or do I do something with this messaging? And then I ended up meeting my co-founding partner, who's an American guy from the advertising agency. And he was feeling the same sense of liberation in Brazil. So he and I met and we really just clicked. And we shared our experiences and we said, let's start something. Amazing. And that's really was the, you know, the trigger, like everything was sort of building up to it. But when I met my partner, I said, okay, let's do it. Yeah. And you know, one thing you talked about is in another interview, you and your co-founder, you guys both really shared this mission, but you didn't have a product yet. So I'm curious, you know, you probably advise and me with a ton of entrepreneurs. Is that something that you recommend? How important is mission to building a successful brand and company? It is so important. We spent six months crafting that mission way before we knew that we were going to launch a boom boom cream. It goes back to your very first question where, you know, I was talking a lot about the question why. So we really sat down and talked about why are we doing this? Like what is so special about it that the world deserves this or we deserve it? And, and so we really crafted it. And then so Sol de Janeiro, like who is Sol de Janeiro? Why does she exist? Who is she? What does she look like? What does she believe in? What does she smell like? How does she walk? How does she smile? We really created that persona and the whys behind it. And, you know, it was about warmth, joyfulness. It was about saunter and samba. It's not just walking, but you saunter and beautiful colors. And so that's what we really started out with. And we still, to this day, and I think for a very long time to come, we'll continue to to embody this mission. And it was after we crafted the mission, we then asked ourselves, okay, so then now what product category would support this mission the best? So is it facial anti-aging care or is it hair? Is it body? Is it sunscreen? Is it perfume? Is it medical, you know, acne product? Like, so we looked at all of them and we decided that it should be body. So despite, you know, all my training and working in big companies and getting an MBA, I did not look at the market size of premium body. If I had, I think I would maybe would have never started this company. Like it doesn't really exist. But we really, once we defined who we were, then we sort of stuck to it and said body care really supports our mission. That really helped us. And so then body care, we said, okay, well, you need a body moisturizer. But if we put out a body moisturizer cream out there, nobody's going to pay attention to that. So hence the birth of Brazilian boom boom cream in a bright yellow jar. So everything comes back to the mission and the brand purpose. Yeah, to this date. It's incredible because you guys really created this category. And like you said, you didn't really necessarily have a background in body care specifically. And, you know, you were building this business from your kitchen floor. I'm sure your child was very young simultaneously (laughs) at the same time. You know, how did you get that first batch of testing and that order? Because I know with manufacturing, at least in the beauty world, I've heard, you know, they just have such high minimum. So how did you manage this new world that you're in to just create the product, the first product? We interviewed 
a lot of chemists and we looked at chemists who are independent. And then we also looked at chemists who were part of the, the manufacturing company so they could develop and manufacture together for you. I think I must have met and interviewed over 30 people and companies. And we also put together a brief. So we knew exactly what we wanted, what this cream to feel like, what it should do, how it should be absorbed, and what it should smell like. So we had the brief very well articulated. And then we took that brief and sent it to a select number of chemists. And they sent us a submission. And once we chose the chemist that we loved, and he happened to have a factory as well, he was such an amazing guy. He, we still work with him. He grew amazing. so much because of us. And I love that kind of relationship where we grow together. He was incredibly flexible. And you know, for us, body care, you know, it's a big jar, right? It's eight ounce versus a face cream, which could be you know, 1.7 ounce. And so we had a less challenge in terms of minimum order quantity per unit. Okay. But I do remember ordering the jar and the minimum order quantity was 5,000 jars. <laughs> and I was writing like, you know, my personal check and like shaking. I'm like, oh my God, I'm really doing this. What if nobody buys this? Yeah. So I think, you know, one of the things that I would advise young entrepreneurs is finding the right partner in the beginning because there are so many risks and so many things that can go wrong and it's normal for things to go wrong. Yeah. But if you have a great partner who is aligned with your mission and what your intention is, who you can trust and work well together, they will navigate those ups and downs with you. So, you know, for us, when we launched with Sephora, for example, they ordered, you know, a certain number of units, but they sold out online in four days. And so they called and they wanted to increase their forecast by 10 times. And so I remember like calling my partners, my, the vendors on Sunday night. And I said, I need this. And they made it happen. Yeah. So that, I think that's super important. Yeah. And just very, very thorough upfront interview process. And, you know, you just have to find the person that you really connect well with. Yeah. I mean, that's beautiful to hear, you know, just a process of you doing a bunch of interviews, but a lot of people can find that protocol and process tough because you are talking to so many people and they're not the right fit, but it only takes one yes to find the right partner. And it's great to see that they've been with you to this day and the flexibility and the rapport you had so early on that exists. So I think that's just good for anyone who's looking to create a product to know. And, you know, you mentioned you guys got into Sephora pretty early, but can you take us through the timeline on when you guys launched? How were you thinking about marketing? Was Sephora pretty early? And if so, like, how did you foster that relationship? Because you guys completely, you know, disrupted this industry in skincare and that you became like the number one skew in that world at Sephora. So it's pretty incredible to see. It still is the number one SKU. Oh it was God. recently beat by our own new product. Really? Amazing. just launched in March. Yeah. So what, let's see the timeline. So 2015, we created three products. I hired a website developer in Brooklyn for, I think like I paid him $3,000 to develop a website and we uploaded those three products. We didn't have the budget to do photography. So we yeah. hired a, like a 3D render. And so everything was 3D. It looked real. It was 
pretty good. And we launched it on our website mid-April. But what we did was we hired a PR agency, a small PR agency, a couple of months before the launch to start the buzz and with specific focus on influencers. So that buzz started to happen. We launched on our website and then we work with a very small apothecary, downtown New York, CEO Bigelow. And I met with the owner and I said, you know, we just started and I love to just get some customer feedback and feedback from your sales staff because we, we need to learn still. So we launched with him and then on our website. So that was, you know, April, May. And then the social media, you know, the influence started talking about us. And uh, when we met with Sephora in September, they sent us a contract the same day. Same day. Same day. Yeah. So so that was September and they invited us to San Francisco in October to do a proper presentation. I remember flying out there like I was so nervous, so like just sweating and but we we had we were crazy. We I had a slide up there <laughs> saying our ambition is to become your top 10 skincare brands in the next 5 years and yeah. and everybody in the room like sort of looked at me like okay, sure. <laughs> So that meeting was in October, and then they sent us a forecast in December, and we launched on Sephora.com on March 1st. Wow. And Boom Boom Cream sold out in four days. And by July, you know, we had rolled out into all the stores, and by July, the Boom Boom Cream became the number one skincare SKU. So it was crazy. You know, they called and like, what, what's your secret? How did you do that? And like, it's, you know, it's not just one thing. For us, it's been everything that we've been working on from day one. I think looking back, building that buzz with PR before we launched and then launching on our website, testing with a small boutique so that we can get some feedback. For example, I'll give you a piece of feedback that was so helpful. It was so simple, yet so helpful. Because we're so close to the product, we thought, well, of course, it's a body moisturizer. But customers were asking, what is this? Mm. What is a Brazilian boom boom cream? Is it just for your butt? Is it for babies? Like, what is it? And so we, I remember adjusting our website copy saying body moisturizer. Because we never said that. We just assumed. So things like that, that we learned, the customers were telling us and the sales staff at Piso Bigelow, they were telling us really helped us like really refine what this product eventually became. That's the timeline. And that summer, international retailers started calling us just, you know, on our customer care, like, hello, we are Harrods. Do you have a European representative? And I'm like, European representative? That's like me, myself, and I. (laughs) So we, yeah, we launched in international in 2017, which is very quick. Yeah. So yeah, that's that's the early timeline. And I mean, now we're we're growing, we keep growing. So did you ever envision, I mean, I have so many questions to unpack there, but did you ever envision you guys would A, grow this quickly and kind of be in the position you are today when you first launched the product? I mean, yes and no. If we were crazy enough to create a product called Brazilian Boom Boom Cream <laughs> and thought that people would actually buy this product and fall in love with it. Yes, we're, you know, if we're irrational enough to believe that we were also crazy enough to believe that we could make 
some difference in the industry. Now, if somebody said, yeah, you could be doing hundreds of millions of dollars by you know, 2021, you know, I would have said, wow, that would be a dream come true. And, and here we are. I mean, it's, you know, it wasn't the smoothest ride, right? Because it's this fast growth has its cost. So, and you know, what's interesting in what I've seen in this podcast, you know, so many women have started their business or have thought about new ideas while they were pregnant or very early when their child was young. So, you know, I don't have a child yet, but I'm even thinking one day with this new business I have, like, how do I kind of bring those worlds together? And you essentially launched a child and launched your business kind of at the same time while you got pretty fast growth. So kind of looking at the way you've managed both worlds, is there any advice that you have for mothers who are trying to manage both or any learnings that you have looking back at those times? Oh gosh. I mean, I, I feel like I, everything, it was just chaos. I mean, I wish I could say, well, I did this and that worked well, but it, it really was chaos. I think it's maybe it's um, in in your mindset because having a baby and looking at the baby, like in the chaos of building the business was really calming for me and it brought everything to earth, right? Because I think it's really easy to get caught up in just the business world. And when you're negotiating with retailers or negotiating with the manufacturer and if things don't get shipped on time or things break or... But then it, like coming back to your child, like it just sort of grounds you that, okay, it's okay to have problems at work. It helps you not take so much so seriously, I guess. I think if I had started this business when I was younger, I think I would have driven myself crazy because I would have wanted everything to be perfect. Not not that uh, I didn't work hard enough that I almost developed I mean, I, I, maybe I shouldn't even say this, this, but I, I almost developed ulcer building this business and somebody had to like carry me home because I was working so hard. And, you know, there's also risk and reward, right? So the more risk you take, there's a lot of reward. And so I think there's, I mean, you can't plan everything. You really yeah. can't. And I do have to say, I did have an amazing help mm. and support. So my husband was very busy traveling a lot for work. So I said, I need a really good sitter who is more than just a sitter. So somebody I can really trust. And if I have to cut my expenses somewhere else, this is where I'm going to invest. And that person, I would have to say, she she's also a Buddhist. I call her the That's laughing great. Buddha. Yeah. So she was like a rock in my life. Oh. And for me, that was very helpful. I think trying to manage everything can be very stressful. Yeah, so I I don't know if I necessarily have an amazing advice. I mean, I did start Transcendental Meditation three years ago when I was having trouble sleeping. So that's incredible. I've paid for that program for a number of people who work at my company they continue to do it today and I still do it. It's been, I'm going in my fourth year doing Amazing. it. So, so finding a source of energy that can refuel you and recharge you because it's very draining, right? Mm. So you need to constantly feed yourself with 
good energy and good food and good people. And so that was, yeah, my laughing Buddha, yes. Manny and, and meditation. They both have been incredibly helpful for me. So I think you have to find that for yourself. No, I appreciate you being so open because I think you know, it, it can be chaotic, but finding support, like you had mentioned, and also, you know, I think all of us, especially when you're starting a business that you're so passionate about, like my brain is never turned off and I love it. I'm always thinking about stuff, but you could easily put yourself in a situation where you are getting an ulcer. And I've done that. I pushed myself through burnout in old careers that I kind of now know the red flags when my body's almost done, but I didn't know that before. And I think just the power of finding something that works for you, like for you, you mentioned transcendental meditation and the importance of keeping your health in place and eating the right foods. Like that is my biggest hack that I started a company in health and wellness because it really can help you really be this woman that you want to be and show up and do the amazing things. So I appreciate you being so open about your own journey. Transcendental meditation has been on my list. And do you do it twice a day? Is it 20 minutes in the morning and evening? And you still do that to this day? Well, I I did it religiously twice a day for, I would say two years. And it, by the way, from day one, solved my sleeping problem. It was incredible for me. But now I do once a day in the morning, minimum. And then when I can, I'll do the one in the afternoon. And do you think as the CEO of this fast growing business, it's even helping you make clearer decisions or better decisions? Yes. Yes, exactly. It's like decluttering your mind. It's so incredible. I mean, I think once you start doing it or want to do it, give me a call. I will share all of my experiences because it puts distance between you and yourself. And so you can be a lot more objective. And so you can make decisions more objectively, faster, and more efficiently versus taking decisions with personal influence. Because, you know, once you start taking things personally, it's very hard to make decisions. Yeah. So that's, uh, that's been very helpful. You become very productive for sure. Oh, I'm excited. I'm very motivated. And we'll share some more information for our listeners about transcendental meditation, but I've only heard wonderful things. So thank you for sharing that. And, you know, I want to close on one last question, be mindful of our hour together, but you know, last year was a big year for you guys. La Octane purchased a majority stake in the brand, which congratulations, that is amazing. And, you know, I'd love to hear more about this. Were you looking for a right partner? You know, what was really going through your mind at the time and really pushed you to kind of connect with La Octane as this partner? Yeah. So it was a both a a business decision as well as, you know, personal decision. I love to work smart versus hard. I mean, I work hard, but I thought, you know, this brand has so much potential and it's never been about me. I felt like we gave birth to this beautiful brand that is bringing a small touch of joy to a lot of customers out there. So I really believe that this brand should continue to flourish beyond just being a small, fast-growing company and wanted to find home for it that could grow even faster and bigger, really leveraging the resources and infrastructure of a larger, more established company. At the same time, I wanted to make sure that it didn't get lost in a very big company because we're still fairly small compared to these you know, giants. And L'Occitane was the perfect opportunity. So they're smaller than L'Oreal's of the world. I met with the founder, the owner of L'Occitane. We really connected and he's, he's an entrepreneur himself and very much of a champion of entrepreneurship. So I love that. 
And also I loved their mission of sustainability and uh, biodiversity that's ingrained in the DNA of their company. So I thought there's a great opportunity for us, Seoul de Janeiro, to become even better in that world. And in fact, I was just there last week in their the south of France factories in the lab. Oh my God, it just blew my mind of how much work they were doing. And you know, they said, we have two clients. One is customer and the other is the nature. So we always do everything that supports those two clients. And I love that perspective. So the kind of research and resources dedicated to putting things life back into the soil, I just absolutely loved it. And so we had you know, excellent meetings and it just felt very, very good. But I do have a personal story about L'Occitem and it's, it's uh, life is crazy. You, this is, this tells you, you can't plan everything. Wow. So long time ago, like 25 years ago, my mother and I were traveling through Europe and she and I ran into a a beautiful store called L'Occitane in the middle of Paris. And, you know, again, this is like 25 years ago. And we loved it so much that we asked the store manager where the headquarter was because we wanted to distribute it in Korea. And so we got the address and the phone number of the headquarter, and we took the train, like a six-hour train, and visited the headquarter in the factory. And we just showed up and said, hi, I'm Hila. I'd like to distribute your brand. And they said, oh, thank you so much for your interest, (laughs) but we just signed with somebody in Korea. And uh, we said, okay, well, you know, thanks for meeting with us. And, um, And I recently found the photo of my mother standing in front of the L'Occitane store, the old one. It's funny. Now, now I'm on the board of L'Occitane. Oh my goodness. Yeah. Crazy. It's crazy. Wow. I mean, honestly, like you said, I think your whole life is just proof that you never know which way things will turn and you just have to be open-minded, which is what we started the interview with and just kind of welcome these different situations because it's just amazing to see how it's all kind of, all the puzzles kind of came together in your own journey. And that is awesome. Well, Hila, thank you so much for joining us today. I probably could have talked to you for many more hours, but I so appreciate you sharing your story with us. Of course. Thank you so much, Asmin. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Behind Her Empire. If you enjoyed this conversation, it would mean the world to me if you would consider leaving a review or even sharing this episode with someone who might be inspired to create their own empire. To stay updated on new episodes or join our private community, visit BehindHerEmpire.com to sign up. We send inspiring and short emails every week to your inbox. I'll see you next week. And until then, remember, you're always in charge of your own destiny and it's never too late to start your own empire.